listeners, welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and your host for today's episode is none other than Andy Steiger. Andy will be sitting down with a longtime friend of his named Ryan, who is a 15-year veteran of the video game industry, having worked as a programmer and game designer on many beloved properties, including a couple Mario games with Nintendo and superhero games like Spider-Man and X-Men. This leads to having a great conversation between the two where they're actually going to be discussing artificial intelligence. What is it? What isn't it? And should we be concerned? How can Christians respond to this growing technology? And this flows perfectly because at the end of this month, on August 27th, we'll be having our new ACLE in AI We Trust, a Christian understanding of technology. So embark on a thought-provoking webinar exploring the dialogue between artificial intelligence and Christian theology. Our keynote speakers for this event are none other than Michael Butler, who is a PhD candidate in quantum physics, and Andy Steiger, president of Apologetics Canada. So once again, August 27th, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, you can head to apologeticscanada.com ACLE and click on In AI We Trust to register. We hope to see you there. That's all for me. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the AC Podcast. This is Andy Steiger, and I am joined by longtime friend Ryan. Welcome. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Great to chat again. Always a fan of the podcast. Now, you've actually changed positions uh, or jobs, I guess, because you now, last time when you were on the podcast, we talked about video games because you had a video game production company that you ran if I'm saying all this correctly, but now you work for Faith Tech. So explain all that. Um, Well, actually, so I'm still running my video game development company. Uh, We're busier than ever, doing a lot of really, really huge games these days. But I'm also, yeah, the sort of city director of Faith Tech Vancouver. Um, So organizing, you know, the the community here for, for Faith Tech, which for those who don't know, is an organization who tries to bring together, you know, people with technical backgrounds or in technical jobs or just technical aspirations and enjoyment, you know, um, but who are also Christians, because sometimes, you know, people in those kinds of jobs or communities, it's kind of isolating for Christians. Sometimes it's either you're, you know, maybe like speaking from experience, maybe the only Christian, or it can be hostile towards Christians. So basically, it's, you know, takes people from those kind of technical backgrounds who are Christian, bring them together, uh, you know, have a community, maybe, you know, pool their talents and you know, make cool tech for, you know, for the kingdom of God around the world. So yeah, I'm just doing that sort of on a voluntary basis as the city director of Faith Tech Vancouver, but still, uh, you know, running my own video game development company as well. Um, still heavy into that. So, yep. Okay. So before we started this podcast, you, uh, I asked how you're doing and you said busy. <laughs> so I could help you out here, Ryan, if you want to know why you're so busy. Wow, man, you're doing two things. You're, so you're doing both of these things at the same time. Yep. Okay, so we'll be uh, we'll be praying for you after the podcast because uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember talking with you last time. You were finishing up a video game, and I mean, you were it just about killed you, man. But uh, I'm guessing you're not as busy as at that point. I hope not. Yeah, well, I'm not as busy as that. Uh, so we've actually, I think, I'm trying to remember when we last talked, but I mean, I mean, we've been growing very fast. I'm up to like 40 people and 40 employees now. You know, we're helping on really big games that we helped on. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Tell me about these. What kind of games are you working on? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we were helping on Call of Duty. We helped on like Hogwarts Legacy, the new like Harry Potter game. A couple of really, really big games I can't really talk about. But, you know, if you can imagine the game that like every child in the world is playing, 
it's we're helping on that one. I can't say the name of it, <laughs> but um, I yeah, have so a, I have my suspicions. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of big stuff, and we're still yeah making our own games internally as well, and some smaller stuff. So yeah, we're big, 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 busy, busy, busy these days. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I am so so glad uh, to hear about that. Now, uh, for our conversation today, we're going to be talking on the subject of artificial intelligence. AI broadly and specifically, you know, when we're talking about AI, for those that are unfamiliar, we're really dealing with aspects of machine learning. And so that's what we want to get into. But when we get into, you know, the broader concept of AI, we're also dealing with the philosophies at play with how these machine learning technologies are being used. And one of the things I I love about having you on the show, Ryan, is, you know, those that are in this technology realize that there's there's two different players that are involved in it there's the there's the programmers and then there's like the futurists and the, it's important to be able to make that distinction when you're talking on this who are you dealing with are you dealing with somebody who actually is programming these technologies or somebody who's just talking about these technologies because i find that it's a very different conversation between the two now one thing I, I appreciate about you is that you understand the coding and you do a lot uh, uh, of coding. And so uh, I think it's going to be a good conversation as we get into AI because you're going to be able to bring uh, a unique perspective to it uh, as we get into the subject. Now, I'm sure, Ryan, that you've heard uh, and seen plenty of different news clips these days by Elon Musk and most recently from James Cameron uh, with regards to the dangers of AI. So there's a lot of people raising different, you know, warning flags, if you will, with regards to AI. You and I have been talking about this for a long time. However, I find that popular culture hasn't really cared about AI until chat gpt came out and then all of a sudden it really felt like people cared is that kind of the impression you've you've gotten as well mostly i mean i think there were a couple things like we know when elon musk and so was talking about like self-driving cars too people are like well you know that i think was a bit of a wake-up like whoa like that that could actually be a thing you know they could actually drive themselves like so i think that was one but certainly chat gpt i think is really what put it into the mainstream kind of conversation yeah now for me uh, I've been in this conversation for a long time. Uh, uh, for example, IBM's Deep Blue got me, you know, way back when uh, Gary Kasparov was beaten, uh, world champion chess player, you know, was beaten by a computer. But back in that 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 day, you know, those computers were the size of refrigerators, and you you needed multiple to beat a world champion. But now, I mean, you just need a laptop. And we watched where Google, you know, and uh, AlphaGo beat the top Go player, and then went on to create uh, AlphaGo Zero and, and whatnot, where that was when I was really impressed. What, what was it for you, uh, Ryan? What technologies for you go, what were getting you going, oh man, like this is impressive? I mean, the Go one is a really good example because even when I was in university, so this is, you know, kind of going back to the early you know, 2000s, I guess, you know, we were talking about how, well, you know, you know, chess, okay, so AI, you know, can beat chess players now. And when they made an AI algorithm for backgammon, you know, for anyone who knows that game, you know, it created strategies that no human had ever thought of. So like it revolutionized the game of backgammon. But we were still told at the time, you know, Go might be too complex for an AI to really ever handle. It's, it's way more complex than chess. Maybe they'll never do it. 
And then, of course, you know, fast forward, whatever it is, 10, 15 years, there, there you have it. Um, so I, th- I do think that's a really good one. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but I, I read uh, all of Alan Turing's journal articles and, and whatnot with regards to his question about whether or not a machine could think, you know, and we, we could talk about what that means. But Go was the example he gave. Like, so, mm. so we've been thinking about this back in the, you know, the 50s with whether or not you know, could a machine ever play Go? And he he thought, yeah, it's possible. And and he was right. Yeah. You know, it's funny, though, too, because so ChatGPT is extremely impressive. But personally, I don't think we've actually got to a point yet where I really go, ah, wow, this is amazing. I think, you know, people, again, for, for non-technical people, they don't quite understand what goes into creating these things, right? So they see, like, ChatGPT, and then they'll look, I mean, for example, like, I think the AI in Pac-Man was pretty amazing. Now, obviously, ChatGPT can do a lot more than Pac-Man could. Uh, but fundamentally, you, you look at sort of what goes into the AI, it's not that different. Um, and you're speaking of Turing, right? All of our computers today are what they call like um, sort of Turing complete in the sense that we cannot do anything more than the original Turing machine could do. Mm-hmm. We can do it a lot faster but we can't actually solve new problems, right? And so until I think that is breached, and I mean, maybe that's now me saying, I don't think we'll ever get there. Uh, we'll see. We won't really ever get something that really starts to, you know, personally kind of blow me away. Uh, again, ChatGPT, very, very impressive. But I think this is sort of where futurism meets, you know, technological reality. You really are starting to talk about something that I think is, far more sophisticated than I think people really understand of what really AI really means. Now, on that, you know, I was kind of surprised when I was doing my doctoral work that I was seeing that these AI algorithms were invented in the 70s and 80s. Like, uh, I, I, was, I was shocked. But what I began to realize, and this is once you start really seeing the nuts and bolts of AI, the question was whether or not, you know, it wasn't the algorithms. We kind of had, we already had that figured out, but it's the technology to run the algorithms. And in particular, where I see things have really changed is the quantity of data to process the algorithm. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Um, you know, chat GPT is really just, you know, I mean, this is why you started seeing like people trying to sue it, right? Because all it did was scrape all the collective information of humanity. <laughs> and it really just figured out very good, like, sentence prediction, right? Right. Uh, which is a very impressive feat. But ultimately, like you said, it's not really doing anything technically new other than scraping sort of and synthesizing and utilizing just vast quantities of data, which that is certainly as new compared to what we could do, yeah, in the 70s, 80s, et cetera. Now, let's just break that down for people who perhaps are new to this conversation, because I, I, I actually just had a meeting the other day, a business guy called me up and said, Andy, can we just sit down for lunch? And can you just explain you know, the AI thing? Because there's a lot of people confused with regards to what it is and what it isn't. And I actually think that that's probably the greatest danger we're dealing with at the moment, is that People don't understand, uh, you know, what it is. And I think what the comment you're making here is really important when we're talking about something like chat, chat GPT, that you're dealing with an algorithm that can process vast amounts of, of data and, and do, as you're talking about, really accurate predictions of what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know the algorithms or is this all kind of, is this all the, the, the quiet behind the scenes of how chat GPT is working. 
I mean, I don't know exactly the algorithms that they in particular are using, but I know, you know, the, the general theory of it uh, in terms of, you know, because what they're doing basically is a very complex sort of language model, right? And I think how you phrase it, I think, was very important because you said it figured out how to predict what you are, I can't exactly what you said, like expecting to see or wanting to see. Yeah. And that really is the trick of it, right? It's not providing you answers that are true. It's what it thinks you want to see. Right. And it's very good at that because of, again, scraping all this data. So it understands, you know, how people expect sentences to be completed and the answers to questions to be formulated. But it doesn't actually know what it's saying or if it's true or false. And of course, that's a lot of, you know, some of the problems you're seeing even in the news lately. Um, so, yeah, it, but, but essentially, yeah, I don't know the exact algorithms they're using, but it's yeah, it's sort of um, a very sophisticated sort of language model. And um, you know, interestingly, right, computer science is very similar to linguistics in a lot of ways, right, because of how, you know, language is used and parts of speech are utilized and assembled and the rules for putting them together. If you can imagine the rules for creating a, just an, an English sentence or any sentence, uh, you know, any language, um, it's, it shares a lot of that kind of similarities because it's following these complex rules of how to assemble something that seems, you know, correct and, you know, trying to understand the context in which it was asked and what's being expected of it. And, and this is what we had seen for a long time where, where these algorithms just were terrible uh, at that. But now they're quite good. Now, Neil, something interesting that I see with ChatGPT is it reminded me when Google first came out. Because when Google first came out, I was like, wow, here's a search engine that really kind of gets for the first time what I'm looking for. And I kind of found, I felt very similar when I was dealing with, you know, experiencing for the first time chat GPT. I was like, wow, this is in some ways just a really good search engine uh, mm -hmm. for what I'm looking for on the web. Now, let, let's just do something here uh, that may, again, help people as they're trying to understand what AI is. I want to hear you break it down simply for people on uh, what this is. And then let's get into what it's not and the dangers uh, at play in it. I, I mean, I think you have to first even describe like what you even mean by intelligence, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not necessarily immediately apparent what someone means when they say that. Uh, because I think, and again, this is sort of where the, again, the futurism meets technology, because um, from a philosophical sense, you know, what we are seeing right now with AI, I would say is not intelligence at all, right? It's just very clever algorithms that utilize a lot of data, right? <laughs> um, intelligence is something, you know, far more beyond that. Or, um, you know, one way to think of it would be, again, to kind of go into the, maybe the apologetic side that some of the listeners might be familiar with. You think of something like C.S. Lewis's argument from reason, right? The, the capacity of human reason is such that it is able to come to conclusions that are not deterministic, right? That do not follow necessarily from the data, right? That is really the crux of human reason, human intelligence. Uh, now, computers, AI, are not capable of that at all, right? But what they are very good at is, like you said, giving it sort of um, a rules in which to operate and either, you know, data or letting it generate its own data, like, you know, self-driving cars, and having it kind of learn how to accomplish a task like like humans do. So, so if people didn't catch that, let me just break what uh, Ryan's saying down there. When you teach your child to ride a bike and you put them on a bike and you push them and let them go, what you're doing in essence is, is getting their minds to process data. That is data. 
And the more they process that, the better that they're going to get at it. In many ways, this is how a neural network works, a ba- you know, an AI algorithm works. Mm-hmm. And it's really based on how the mind uh, works, I-, I would argue. Yeah. 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 Neural network is based very similarly to how the brain works. And because, yeah, when you ride a bike, um, your brain strengthens neural connections based on how it, you know, uh, responds to, to, to data, to stimuli and how successful it was. And so, you know, it will automatically sort of strengthen the neural connections that lead to, you know, successful results, right? That's how sort of our brains work. And that's literally exactly how, how a neural network algorithm works as well. So, and, and so then getting back to what you're saying, what's happening then is these computers are being fed lots of information is that data. And then the algorithms are, are being, you know, are, are learning from the data, if you will. Mm-hmm. But now you're making a distinction saying, now let's just be careful what we mean by learning. Because, mm-hmm. you know, what we're, when we're talking about intelligence, thinking from a human capacity versus a machine, very different. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, again, this is going, you know, even you know, further into the philosophy. But, you know, there's, you know, why is the child riding the bike, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that would be, I'd say, a much more compelling or, analysis or of, how about of intelligence. This one? What's the mm-hmm. experience of riding a bike? Sure. Right. Right. Yes. And another good one. Exactly. And so I do want to back up one thing where you said was, you know, we're not able to create a step-by-step, you know, program to teach a computer how to ride a bike or drive a car. We could, it's just that it would be so laborious and insanely complicated that it's actually easier just to give it a few rules and sort of just, you know, feed it all this data. And I think that really is sort of the strength of AI as a field, right? It's like, yes, we could over enough period of time, figure out exactly how to program this thing. But that is like practically sort of impossible, or at least, you know, no one's going to spend the money to do that. So instead, there's this whole, you know, kind of branch of computer science, AI, that just says, don't worry about, you know, figuring out the step by step, just feed it enough data and a rule for interpreting data. And then you'll get to the result without all that laborious step by step kind of investigation. So I think this is a good point for us then to jump off, jump off into the dangers of AI. Uh, as, as people are starting, I hope people are tracking with us now because what happens then is when you have, say, a self-driving car and you've given it basic rules, one of the things that we're starting to realize as AI advances and engages with humans is there are rules at play that we call morality. So, so now we're needing to feed it basic instructions on, okay, what, what do you do in a given situation? So you're processing data, uh, driving a car down the street and a kid runs in front of the car versus a dog and a dog, and it's got to make a choice, right? Well, now you've got to actually step in and direct the data, right? Yeah, that definitely gets very, very complex. And I mean, I think even to back up one step, I think, you know, people, when they think of the dangers of AI, um, I think they're not necessarily appreciating the dangers of, I say, you know, computers in general over decades, right? Like for a long time, someone could have decided, I'm going to make a drone that just autonomously flies around and shoots people. (laughs) Like that's not new. They they could have done that a long time ago, right? You slap a camera on that thing, you see a human shape and you shoot a gun at it, right? So that's plenty dangerous, right? We don't need any more advanced AI to go wipe out humanity. Like we already have that for for a long time, right? So I think people need to understand a little bit, like it's not like, oh, suddenly AI is developing and now maybe we're entering a time when we're dangerous. Like, no, if someone really wanted to, they could have done that ages ago, right? So I think that's just something you know to kind of keep in mind. Now, can I can I just 
jump in on that though, because there was something you said in our last interview on video games that I have not forgotten and that I see as a serious danger with regards to AI. And I'm curious if this is your concern as well. And it really goes back to video games. When you and I were talking and we were talking about CPUs, we're, we're talking about, you know, where you've got characters that are being operated by the machine. You were telling me that you have to dumb those things down really, you know, big time so that a human can even have a chance at beating a CPU. Mm-hmm. Th- that got me thinking like, this could be part of the danger though of AI is that, that AI can can be so much better at things than a human uh, because of the amount of data that it can process and how, you know, precise it can get at a given task. That that can become quite deadly in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Is that on your radar? Is that one of the uh, a concern that you would have with AI? Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I think that that is um, something that people should you know pay a lot of attention to. And I think um, I guess my perspective on it is like we should be focused more on that in a sense that versus you know, chat GPT or, or things like that in the sense that, like I said, yeah, if someone really wanted to, they could make a, you know, killer drone, <laughs> like, um, already, you know, we don't need chat GPT. We don't need self-driving cars. Um, so like the danger is already real. So I think, yes, we should definitely be focused more sort of on, yes, the nefarious uses of technology more broadly. Um, and I think people are, but, um, it's not like this is suddenly now technology might, uh, cause us problems like that's always been you know something that is our you know present danger um, so this isn't necessarily new it's just uh, a new spin on it maybe if you want to say it like that okay uh ryan what would be your let's say top three concerns with ai or maybe you don't have any i don't know <laughs> um i mean yeah i do think one concern yeah is people using it for bad uses like you know but again that's not specific to ai but you can you know certainly use ai um for very bad things i mean you know, we obviously did see an example of, um, you know, I saw that the court case in the Uber self-driving car finally ended. Um, and, you know, the driver wasn't liable, I believe. Um, but, you know, you can imagine a company saying, oh, well, this is interesting. I can just, I can fire all my drivers, all my Uber drivers, just have self-driving cars. And if a few people die along the way, nah, cost of doing business. Okay. So like right. that is a danger, I'd say, um, again, based on the current technology. So again, it's not a future danger. This is a current danger. Yeah. I do think that, you know, you look at, like, for example, like the, the war in Ukraine. I mean, obviously drones are playing a, a large part and they're, you know, human operated, you know, so uh, mostly. Um, so there is some, you want to add like killer drone robots yet, but you could imagine perhaps Russia deciding, you know what, this is taking a lot of effort. Uh, we're just going to make drones that just go shoot anyone they see because we don't care about civilian lives. So again, that's a, a, a very real, you know, bit current danger. Um, but and I think for the third one, I, I want to maybe go slightly different though. I think the danger with AI is people uh, forgetting what it means to be a human, right. and I think that is not a technical danger, but a again intellectual danger, a, a human danger. Um, because I think for a long time, humanity derived its, its value, its identity from, we are the smartest people around. We are in control of this planet. And suddenly that might not be true anymore. And so people have to sort of come to a reckoning of what that might mean. And if they forget what it means to be a human, um, we're in for a weird, weird future. Yeah. I, you know, I completely agree with you there. There are still, you know, of course, many things that we could say that a human can do that chat GPT can't do, 
for example. But, and, you know, here to give you an example, because sometimes this concerns me because people are like, oh, really? What? And I'm like, right. <laughs> well, first of all, ask ChatGP, what is the, what does the wind feel like? You know, yeah. uh, you, you know, it's an algorithm. You are a human being that, that, you know, it's not only you have the experience of, of living in the experience, you know, chat GPT could tell you what humans have said about what the wind feels like, but you have firsthand experience of, of what the wind feels like, or, you know, humans are able to do something that's actually quite complex. We can come up with new knowledge. We can create knowledge. It's not just processing knowledge. We can make scientific discoveries, for example, like that's super impressive. But if we're, if we're not careful, we can get into kind of this human exceptionalism thing that I see you kind of talking about there where, hey, we're not, you know, necessarily the smartest any longer. And that that does challenge our position in, in, in the world. However, Ryan, don't you see, though, this is kind of part of the problem, though, where people just immediately want to disassociate humans from AI? And and I, I often will remind students and be like, hey, don't forget, it was a human that created AI. And I would actually argue that, okay, now I'm curious how this this impacts you, what you'd say with this, but I would argue as cool as IBM's machine was that beat Gary Kasparov or, you know, Google's algorithm that beat, you know, the best Go player, I would argue that that machine didn't beat that Go player. It was a human that created a machine that beat that Go player. AI is a tool that humans have created. It's not a human. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I I 100% agree, right? And uh, again, as complex as the results of some AI can be in terms of like, hey, this thing figured out how to drive a car or, you know, some other, you know, or hey, this figured out how to to play backgammon better than we ever could as humans, you know, yes, fundamentally, right? It only did what a human told it to do. And a human figured out how to provide it with the means of doing it. So yes, certainly still the, the programmer is still, I would say, you know, the more intelligent person, uh, more intelligent agent, you know, in, the, in this sort of scenario. It's just that obviously AI computers are able to do some things much better than humans, which and process data, vast amounts of data happens to be one of those things. But yes, certainly I would agree. The, the programmer, uh, the computer scientist is, yes, more intelligent than the AI that they produce for sure. And now have you seen the movie Blade Runner? Yeah, it seems to me like Blade Runner. You know, because a lot of people don't realize. By the way, a lot of the movies that they'll watch, like Ex Machina or or others, are actually rifting off of conversations we've been having for a long time with regards to AI that go back to people like Alan Turing and Michael Polanyi and these others that were grappling at the very earliest stages of what does machine learning mean? What does it mean? to have a machine that thinks and and how would we ever know if a machine was thinking and these other you know complex conversations but blade runner is interesting because blade runner is trying to play off of something different than i think what alan turing was doing turing talks about the imitation game but really when you're dealing when you look at the imitation game or the turing test as it's often referred to what you're really looking at is a human mimicking machine Whereas in the movie Blade Runner, they're really kind of playing off of something maybe deeper that we could call the identity game, where now you have a machine that's almost identical to a human, right? And and that, I think, also raises a lot of these profound questions that you're getting at, is what does it mean to be human? And it seems that it's going to be essential that we can differentiate between machine and mankind, or we're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think actually this is a fantastic opportunity for, you know, uh, apologetics and, you know, Christians to 
to kind of say like, hey, yeah, like, you know, we have thought this all along, you know, Um, (laughs) there is something actually very different, special, meaningful, intentional about humans as a creature, you know, Um, obviously we would, you know, look at Genesis, we were, you know, given the image of of God, right? Mm -hmm. Like, to me, like, this is all kind of part and parcel with what it means to be human, that ability to reason, right, to um, not operate in the sort of that deterministic way, you know, that computers do. I mean, I would say, yes, this is fundamentally the gift that makes us like God, you know, in some sense, right? As opposed to animals and nature and and other sort of non-thinking things. Um, So, yeah, I I do think as AI advances, this is a fantastic opportunity for for Christians to sort of remind people that, yeah, like, you know, this is something we've been talking about for a long time. And actually, we do sort of have an answer to to the question of what is the difference between a human and a machine? Um, yeah, especially, you know, you can look at Blade Runner, look at other things where, um, you know, the AI w- will say like, well, I'm, I am human. I-, I don't want to die. I want to live. You know, of course, someone programmed to say that, but you know, <laughs> you, you, you get to the point where people can become confused. Like, yeah, what is the difference between these two things? They talk the same. They look the same. They act the same. What's the difference? And so I'd say, really, there, you need to look in a different direction, different place for the answer. And I think, you know, Christians are well equipped to provide that answer. I think that that's a great place for us to, to land on this conversation, Ryan, you know, because a lot of people can get kind of down in the, the, the weeds of concern, right? And just stay in like the, you can, get, you can get caught up in the conspiracy theories, you can get caught up in the doom and gloom. But I absolutely agree with you. I think we've got a lot of opportunity here. We've got opportunity to, to think about theology in ways that we've never thought about it before and to challenge us to think about it in different ways as we're really grappling with what it means to be human. And I think that answers that we've given in the past have shown to be insufficient as we are, you know, especially when we're talking about uh, superiority arguments and whatnot. Uh, there, we have to think about it more deeply than we've ever thought about before. I also agree with you that it gives us opportunity apologetically to engage uh, with our culture as they're now realizing that if they want to understand what it means to be human, they're going to have to dig deeper as well, uh, or it's going to lead to some really dehumanizing uh, situation. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, when you kind of look at, yeah, sort of from a, you know, non-sensationalist kind of just sober perspective, I think what you'll see is, Number one, yeah, I mean, the dangers of technology have always been here. So AI is no different in that regard. Um, and also the benefits of technology have sort of, we, we've always seen it. And it causes disruption, right? We, when we no longer needed switchboard operators to, you know, connect our calls, you know, people are like, well, what happens to all the switchboard operators? Are they going to lose their jobs? And it's, well, yes, so there is a, a local pain, but obviously society as a whole benefits. And so people say, oh, AI is going to take this job and make that job irrelevant. Maybe. You know, there'll be some local pain and, and shift with all introduction of technology. This is no different. But overall, society will continue to grow and benefit. I mean, we're, from a global perspective, much better off everywhere in the world now than, you know, 30, 40 years ago, whatever. As technology advances, it improves everything, right? Uh, generally speaking, of course. Um, so I'd say, you know, people shouldn't be overly cautious of AI as well. Because, again, the dangers and benefits of technology, we experience it every time there's new technology. So this is not really any different from that. Uh, but yeah, again, like um, there is something deeper and that I think really gives us an opportunity to address, you know, as Christians, as, as apologists. Um, and I think the exciting thing, and I'm sure, you know, you believe this as well, is as technology advances, as science advances, as knowledge advances, 
the arguments for Christianity are strengthened. They're, they're not diminished in any way. And so this is just yet one more example. As AI advances, people now are suddenly grappling with the idea of like, yeah, what, is it, what does intelligence mean? What does humanity mean? Awesome. Now we have one more avenue to, to you know, to discuss with, you know, someone, the, the skeptic or the, the seeker, you know what I mean? Um, so again, I think it's, it's exciting. And, you know, there will be some, you know, hurdles and some missteps, I'm sure. But overall, I think it's, it's an exciting thing, both as a society that benefits from technology, but also as, as Christians that get a new way to um, just witness to people and, and sort of explain why we are more than machines. Now, by the way, on that, I think this is something good for people just to even give consideration to, because sometimes people think, you know, one of the things you said there was advancement of technology. And I don't, I think sometimes we don't really appreciate what we, what we mean by how much technology has advanced. And I, and I mean that quite historically, because sometimes people think technology is a new thing, but technology has been with humanity from the very beginning. When we started clothing ourselves, when we started putting shoes on, right? When we when we started creating bows and arrows and all the like, those are all machines. That is mm-hmm. that is technology, and it's just advanced and advanced and advanced. Has come to a place where now we have to really grapple with deep questions about our humanity and the the limits of technology and and what we should and what we shouldn't do with with mm-hmm. these technologies and these are again these are important questions for us to consider and as those technologies reflect on us and so let me let me end this podcast with asking you a question Ryan uh, Ray Kurzweil who I'm sure you've heard about he's a famous futurist he predicted that in the year 2030, that a machine will pass the Turing test. Now, for those who don't know what the Turing test or the imitation game is, it's just basically the idea where a machine mimics a human to such a degree that a human is convinced that they're engaging with a human. Just, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. That's a simple way of thinking about it, I would say. What do you think... Ryan, do you think that he's, do you think it's going to happen before 2030? Do you think it'll happen by 2030? Or do you think it'll never happen? Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. I think um, a big part of it, again, I think relies on what people expect of what a human is, right? Um, Because yes, if a human is just a fact answering machine, then I think we're already pretty much there. Right. So it depends a lot on what you decide to ask this Turing machine. Right. And, mm-hmm. and what responses you expect to get back from it. Um, so I am sure there is probably a line of questioning that would never be satisfied by the Turing machine. Right. If you really come at it from an angle of you know, humanity that is more than yes, yeah, just a, a yes, a, a fact finder. You know, what I mean, uh, a, a rote task doer. You know, um, I can imagine that you would never be able to pass the Turing test in, in that way. Um, but yes, if you wanted to say just a, a quick Googler, uh, we, we have that now, you know, ChatGPT could probably take care of that for you, right? So if, if that's what you go into it expecting a human is, we have that already. So I, in general, I would say, no, I don't think it'll be done by 2030. I'm sure someone will make a something by 2030 that will make the claim and others will back up the claim because they'll say, look, you know, it said it, I asked it if it wants to live and it said yes. So why would anything but a human say that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure people will make the claim, but I think fundamentally, um, I don't think it will ever be done um, 
But yes, it would rely heavily on what people expect of what a human is that would be providing them those answers. So you know, I'm, guys, I'm kind of hedge, hedging my answer there a little bit, but, 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 uh, but I, I really, I get it. it comes down to what is a human? What do you really expect out of this thing? And that's actually a, a, a really good point uh, because creating a machine that can mimic a five-year-old is very different from a 15-year-old to a 50-year-old. And so, but we would say that, of course, a five-year-old's a human, 15-year-old's a human sometimes, and, mm. and a 50-year-old, of course. But then you start you start to realize okay obviously being human is more than a certain level of intelligence it's more mm-hmm. than being able to answer questions in certain kinds of ways we need mm-hmm. to think more deeply about this and so maybe if anything the turing test has just challenged us to think more deeply of what it means to be human yeah and actually i'll, I'll give you a per example so again as as a video game developer i could give it my game and say do you like this and why how could it ever answer that, mm. right? Like, how can it explain the experience of playing my game, the emotions that it evoked, the parts that it liked, the parts that it didn't like, you know, why it didn't like that? Did it remind it of something when it was young? Did it trigger some memory? Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so even in my own field, which is, you know, highly technological, but also highly experiential, um, I don't, how could you ever get something that passed that kind of Turing test? Right. So, yeah. And I mean, this gets into questions for another podcast, which is, um, not, not that we are more than just a mind. We're more than just a neural network, but that we're in an embodied experience, uh, in relationship, relationship with God, relationship with people. I think that's a good place for us to stop. Uh, Ryan, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the AC podcast. As always great to be with you. My pleasure. I could talk about it forever. So <laughs> always happy to have these kind of conversations. Where can people go to get more information about Faith Tech and the work that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, so uh, I'm sure you can go ask ChatGPT or Google it yourself, which is something we're all doing. Um, so yeah, you can just Google yeah, Faith Tech. There's a lot of great resources there uh, from communities around the world. So even if you know, not here in, in Vancouver, there's plenty out there. Um, you can Google Eden Industries, which is uh, my video game company making awesome games as well. Awesome. Thank you for joining the AC Podcast. It's been the Ministry of Apologetics Canada. Until next time, love God, love people. Bye for now. It's the AC Podcast. Podcast.